Paul is writing a letter to the churches in Galatia. There's at least four of them that we know of because he has to help establish them. But he's writing a, a serious, uh, urgent message to them in his letter that he is amazed that they are so soon after being converted and being established as a church that they are turning themselves away from the true gospel of Christ uh, because of some false apostles, false teachers that have came in and started uh, uh, making claims against Paul and against the gospel which he preached. And so he writes a serious letter to them to try to uh, cut off or head off the uh, problem that's being going on there. And in Galatians, Galatians is the main factor in Galatians, the entire book, is sanctification by faith alone. And Paul will get into that. But at first, he, first and second chapters, he gets into defending himself because they are not only uh, causing problems about the gospel in which he preached, but they're also claiming that he is not an apostle and he has no right to be teaching or to be preaching to them. And so we see that he goes on, he defends himself in the first few verses and he explains in a, in a quick uh, introduction that he did not learn this from man. He did not get his apostleship from a man. He got it from Christ himself, by special revelation. Tonight, we're going to get started in verse 11. We'll go all the way through to 24, hopefully. Uh, and in this, finish up the first chapter in here. But I'll read uh, verses 11 to 24, and then we'll kind of get into that and understand what's going on here. Paul said, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by revelation of Jesus Christ. For he, for ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when I, it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again into Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But other of the apostles I saw none, save James, the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God, I lie not. Afterwards, I came into the region, regions of Syria and Cilicia and was unknown by faith unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed, and they glorified God in me. Paul begins here with, he says, I certify. Basically he means, we would probably say, to say this, we would probably say, I swear. Uh, but Paul wouldn't use that word. But he says, I declare unto you, I, I'm making an oath unto you 
that what I have been taught, what I have learned, and what I preach unto you did not come from man. He said, I didn't get it from a man. I never, no man ever taught it to me. If we go back into 1 Corinthians 15, he gives the full story of his conversion, as well as in chapter 9 of, of Acts. But he says, I certify, I guarantee you, I, I, I claim and, and I swear to you, he says, that I did not receive this from man. In the first and second chapters of Galatians, Paul will defend himself. Okay? He's defending himself so that he can verify that what he is preaching is God's word. But he says, I didn't get this from you. I didn't uh, receive this after man. That which I have preached to you, now he's preached to them before, because sometime before he had gone there and established these churches. So he has preached to them before. He says, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. When Paul was going to Damascus, and we read the story in Acts and in 1 Corinthians, when Paul was on his way to Damascus to assault the church, to kill, to torture, to arrest people for being Christians, he was struck down in the middle of the road by Christ himself. Okay? So let me give you a little bit of what I believe here is, is one thing which this is basically a, a story of his account of how he became the apostle. One, an apostle had to be personally chosen by Christ himself. Paul was that on the road to Damascus. He was chosen by God. Jesus himself came to him. Two, he had to be taught by that Christ, by him. We look at the 12 apostles that Jesus himself handpicked in the, in, the, in, the, in the Gospels. He picked them personally. They he taught personally. Now, he taught a lot of people. He had disciples around him. But the, this, the, the apostles, the 12 apostles, he personally taught separately in certain places. He carried them away to some place quiet and away, and he taught them. And the third thing was, of course, they had to see the risen Savior. They had to see Christ himself after the resurrection. Paul falls into all three of these categories. And the claim that these false apostles, these Judaizers, or trying to claim is that none of this goes with Paul. And that is he is fake and that all his teaching and learning he learned from someone else. But he's swearing here, he's, he's certifying to them, he's declaring to them under an oath that he did not receive this from a man, but from Christ himself. He says, for ye have heard of my conversation, his conversation meaning his conversion, or his past life, the story of what he was, in the times past in the Jews' religion. Paul was a Pharisee. He wasn't one of the high-up Pharisees, but he was in that rank. He was working him way, his way up. Verse 14 and 15, he goes on to say, he says, or 13 and 14, he says, you have heard of my past life in the Jewish religion, being a Pharisee, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. Wasted it meaning destroyed it. He tried to get rid of it completely. He couldn't do it. God won't let that happen. At verse 14, he said, I profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in my own nation. Paul was a Pharisee 
working his way up the ladder. And it would be like a, um, uh, in a college. You have a group of men who come in as freshmen in a college. And they're all pretty much all the same. You know, they're all taking the same classes. They're all working to, to make their way up to the high point. Paul says here that he was in that religion. He was a Pharisee. He was working his way up the ladder above. He was excelling above all those men that he had came in with, his own age, of his own nation. He was excelling above them. He was doing everything he could to reach that top range of that ladder. He wanted to be one of those guys who sat up in the, in the council chairs and the thrones and with their big robes and told everybody else what to do. That's what he wanted to be. And he was working his way up through that. He thought he was doing God's work. The Pharisees, they didn't believe in Jesus. They thought he was a, a nut, a, a nutcase. And they were in the process of wanting to destroy him and every Christian around. This is one of the points that these Judaizers that were coming into these churches were trying to do. <clears throat> Excuse me. They were teaching that, oh, you can believe in Jesus and the resurrection, but you also have to believe in the law. You have to believe in the sacrifice. You have to believe in, in going to the synagogue and, and doing all these things that the law says. But Paul was in their religion. He was a Pharisee. He was Juda Judaism. And he was trying his best to make his way up that ladder. He says, I was excelling above those my equal. He was doing his best to beat everybody out for that top position. He said, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of our fathers. He was, uh, all those men who were coming, uh, came before him, all those uh, Pharisees and hypocrites, he wanted to be in that tradition. He wanted to be in that position. Okay, so he was doing his best. He was zealous for that tradition of those fathers. Paul was a, came from a, a well-known family or a well-to-do family. His father was a Roman. His mother was a, uh, a uh, Jew. And so he had the opportunity to go to the best colleges. In Scripture, he even says that he was taught under the great Jewish theologian Gamal. So he had the opportunity to go to the, he would be like, um, you know, one of these rich kids go to Yale or Harvard or Oxford or someplace where the great men, great theologians were teaching. And so he, he had this opportunity to work his way up. And that's what he was trying to do. He said, you've heard of my story, of my life, past life, where I was excelling in the Jewish religion, he said, I was, I was zealous for that tradition of his fathers. In verse 15, he says, but when it pleased God. Like Moses, Paul was being trained. He was being prepared for this moment. Moses, <clears throat> you know, was <clears throat> cast into the, uh, the river and, and the the uh, Pharaoh's daughter found him, and they took him into the into the uh, kingdom, and he became one of Pharaoh's sons. And he was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. He had the best training. He had the best schooling. 
He, he got, you know, everything he wanted. What was God doing with him? When he realized that at a certain age, about 40 years of age, Moses realized that he wasn't an Egyptian. He wasn't really the, the uh, a prince of Egypt. He was a Jew. And he decided to move out into the Jews and live with the Jews. And then what did God do? God cast him out into the desert for the next 40 years. He was training him. All his training, including his Egyptian training, Moses was being trained to do what? To bring the Egyptian, uh, the children of Israel out of Egypt. Paul was doing the same thing. Paul was being trained through all the years of his schooling as a, as a Pharisee, as a Jew, to this point. He said, when it pleased God. Let me bring something out here. When you, I'm assuming everybody in here is saved. You believe the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Which one of you woke up one morning and said, God, I want to get saved today? Nobody? No, you didn't. You see, God was pleased to call Paul. God calls us. We don't call on him. Okay, for our salvation. It's God calling us. He said when he was pleased, when God was pleased, he who separated him from his mother's womb called me by his grace. God calls us by his grace, by his mercy. We don't call on him. We may say, well, you know, the Holy Spirit uh, convicted me. That's God. The Holy Spirit is God, okay? God is calling you. Okay, but he said, Paul says here, he said, but when it pleased God who separated me from my womb, before Paul was even born, God knew him just like he does every one of us. God has a plan for each and every one of us before we even know it. Where we are right now in our lives may not be the end of it. Something new may come along. Something that God has pointed us or preparing us for may not have shown up yet. But as long as we, as we spoke a few weeks ago about being filled with the Holy Spirit and being led by Him, if we're being led by that Spirit and we are following that Spirit, God may have a plan for us that's different than what we think we are. JL's retired, right? Okay. JL spent how many years at the V dot? 45 years at V dot. You know what? God wasn't done with you yet, was he? That may have been his preparing his life through that and giving him his way of life, but he's not done with him. He's not done with Richard. He's not done with any of us. God may decide tomorrow that, you know, Miss Shirley is going to. Teach a children's class. We don't know that. But God does. He's already prepared something. And just like Paul, before he was even born, even separated from his mother's womb, God knew what he was going to do. Now, we got to think about this for a minute. We're thinking, well, wait a minute. If God was going to call, train Paul as a Pharisee, going to all the schooling and stuff, to bring him to this point to be a 
preacher to the Gentiles, then why did he let him go around killing people? Well, I've been listening to some preachers, and, and I really like them. They're very good. But one was talking, I was, I was reading uh, Richard Baxter. He is a Puritan preacher from the 1600s. He has a book called The Saints' Everlasting Rest. Do you know where our rest is? It's in heaven. That's our final resting place. It's not in the ground. It's not in some vault somewhere. It's not in an urn somewhere. It's in heaven. And he talks about that. Richard Baxter talks about that. And he says here, Paul was called from his mother's womb. All that Paul did, whether it be violence to the church, was still God's plan. Everything is God's sovereign providence. Everything. So he says here, he says, but when it pleased God, he separated him who separated me from my mother's womb, called me by his grace, his mercy, he called me to reveal his son in me. See, God calls us and says, I want you to look at this. This is Christ. This is my son. This is the one you need to follow and listen to. Okay? He said, he revealed his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, the Jews or the Gentiles. Okay? So God is calling, when he calls us to salvation, and we accept that, and we believe that, and we follow that, God starts out something in our lives. I got saved in 1980, sitting back there in that back pew. Didn't think nothing about it. We got saved. All right, I'm saved. I went around and started telling everybody about it. Started reading my Bible. Never thinking that one day I was going to teach Sunday school classes. That was far from my mind. I just wanted to know what it said. I didn't want to have to be the teacher of it. I just wanted to know what it said. God had other plans. But he said he revealed his son to me. He might, that I might go among the heathen. The, Jew, the Gentiles, immediately I conferred with not with flesh and blood. So Paul says, here I am. God has chosen me to be a preacher for the Gentiles. He said, he even chose me even before he even called me. Okay, He had been prepared. One thing we have to remember that uh, is... As born-again Christians, as saved people who have, who have, by God's grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, who believe the death, burial, and resurrection, when we get saved, our life changes. Maybe not completely right then. Okay. Paul says he did not confer with anybody. Only one person, after Paul was converted on the road to Damascus, one person came to him. Anybody know who it was? Ananias. Ananias came to baptize Paul. He came to lay hands on Paul, to commit Paul to the ministry of the word, and to recommend Paul to the church. That's all he did. Ananias didn't come. He didn't teach Paul anything. He, opened, he, gave, he had the power to open Paul's eyes, because Paul was blind for three days. We'll look at a comparison here. Uh, 
The 12 apostles were chosen by Christ himself. Okay? He went around, he picked them, 12 of them. How many years did Jesus teach those men? Three years. It took him three years from the time he chose them until Christ's death on the cross. He was teaching these men the whole time. Three years, okay? Paul was taught in three days. Get it? When he was struck on the road to Damascus until his eyes were opened by Ananias, powered by Ananias, came to him and, and opened his eyes and baptized him, Paul was being taught by the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself was teaching Paul everything he needed to know. What took the 12 apostles three years to learn, Paul learned in three days. Okay? Go on here and look at this. He said, I didn't confer with anybody. I didn't speak with anybody. I didn't touch, you know, I didn't deal with anybody. Nobody, no flesh or blood, no man. He puts it that way, it's flesh and blood. No man came to me. I didn't speak with them. I didn't get taught by them. He went on. He says, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. He didn't even go up to Jerusalem and, and go tell Peter and James, hey, guess what? I got saved. God saved me, and now he wants me to go preach to Gentiles. He didn't do that. He didn't go to no one. Christ had taught him everything he needed to know right then and there in those three days. Then he says, I went up to Arabia and returned to Damascus. Now there's some controversy, not controversy, but there's some questions about how long he was in Arabia. But Paul, if you you look at your map in the back of your Bible, if your Bible has one, you see Paul's journey. Arabia is to the south of Israel. It's Israel's here, Egypt's here, Arabia's here. It's now called Saudi Arabia, but it was Arabia. It was south. It wasn't that far from Damascus to cross the border. Probably a day or two's journey. So Paul went into Arabia on his own, probably told by Christ to go there. So what do you think he did there? He was preaching. Paul got up when his eyes opened. Christ had taught him everything he needed to know. He got up. He went into Arabia. Guess what God was doing? He was letting him preach. He was teaching him. He was getting some experience. But then it says he came back to Damascus. Okay? So Paul went into uh, uh, Arabia. He stayed for a few, maybe a few months, maybe a few days. We're not sure. Nobody has any uh, uh, thing about any account of it. This is the only place Paul mentions this. He doesn't mention it in Corinthians or anywhere else. He just mentions it here. But he went back to Damascus. Then he says in verse 18, then after three years, this three years is not three years he was in Damascus or three years he was in Arabia. This three years refers to his conversion. Three years, if, if we would put it in our language or, or paraphrase it, it would say, then three years after my conversion, would be what Paul would say, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter. Now, at this point, all they know, all Peter knows, all James knows, all the apostles knows, is that this Saul, the guy who used to uh, uh, kill, murder, torture, and put in prison Christians, uh, 
friends of ours, family, he said, this man is now preaching the gospel. We've never met him. He said, so I went up three years after my conversion. So, so Paul is only a three-year-old Christian. He said, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter. And I abode with him 15 days. Here is his first account of being taught by man. But he didn't say he was taught by him, did he? He said, I abode with him. Some uh, theologians can, uh, consider that maybe uh, Paul went up to see Peter to introduce himself, to tell him what he'd been doing, tell him to, you know, what had, what's been going on with me for the past three years that, that God had me in Arabia and in Damascus. Now, Peter's probably heard of him, but he's never met him, at least not in this situation. He may have met him when he was Saul, the persecutor. But he said, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter, and I abode with him 15 days. Some say that he uh, conversed with Peter. Uh, Peter was telling him some of the things that he had been taught, where he had been going, and Paul was telling him some of the things that Christ taught him and where he had been going and so forth. But we're not sure because it doesn't say. But the three years is the three years that Paul was converted. He said, in three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But other apostles saw I none except James, the Lord's brother. James was Christ's younger brother. He was the pastor of the Jew Jerusalem church in Jerusalem. And so he says, I only saw Peter and James. I didn't see anybody else. He said, now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Again, he is swearing an oath or, or promising or declaring an oath that what I preach, what I am telling you, and he's even telling Peter this, what I have been taught, everything I know about Christ, he gave me, nobody else. I want, I want to bring something out here real quick. I, I have to think about this as I was reading these verses. When God calls someone to preach, when he calls someone to pastor, that is a special person. That is a, a different kind of animal. I get to thinking about Pastor Joe. I get to thinking about Pastor Edson, Pastor Mike, all those that were pastors with us, pastors around the churches. I get to thinking... You know, they, they go through their training, they study, they write, they, they put together messages, they, they organize the church, they, they do all these other things. But do you ever think that they carry your burden as well as their own? I don't think I could be uh, Pastor Joe or Pastor Mike or Pastor Edson. My counseling skills are not very good. I wouldn't be able to tell If someone comes to me with a problem, you know what I'd tell them? Suck it up. Okay? Because I, would, I don't have that wisdom. A man who is called to be the pastor, like James, and even Paul being a preacher that he was, is a special type of animal. God has to prepare their hearts specially. Okay? I've known pastors that uh, could preach, 
but couldn't teach. I've known pastors that could teach but not preach. I've heard a lot of those. I've known pastors that couldn't do either one, and I've known pastors that could do both. They are special animals. They are specially called by God. God prepares them specially. And I was thinking about that when I was thinking of, of Paul here, where he was trained by God specifically for a certain cause, and that was to go to the Gentiles. So he's defending himself. He has to defend himself against these Judaizers that were going in. And they were, they were saying that Paul was not an apostle because he wasn't there physically with Christ when Christ was still on the earth. Uh, they were claiming that he was taught by uh, men, by flesh and blood, by men that were of the church, but they were wrong. They were calling him a heretic. They were calling him a a false apostle, when in them themselves were the false apostles. Because they were calling themselves apostles, but they were from the Jewish settlements. They were from the Jewish religion. Okay? Any man out here that calls himself an apostle now is a fake. Okay? There's no such thing as an apostle anymore. He says, I saw James, the brother of the Lord. Now the things which I write unto you again... I declare unto you, and he says, Behold, before God, he says, As God is my witness, I'm not lying to you. What happened to, uh, what was the name of the two people who went into the synagogue to bring the, the money from the sale of the property? Maybe it was, yeah. Come in, what did God do to them? So they lied. Killed them. They were dead. Do you think maybe if Paul was lying here about being the apostle, about being teaching uh, the teaching that he received from Christ, maybe God would have said, yeah, he's a liar, so, you know, take him out. But he didn't. Paul was specially chosen by Christ to be a preacher of the Gentiles. <coughs> Excuse me. He goes on to say, he said, before God... I lie not. He said, I have declared that oath before you, before God, that I'm not lying to you. Paul has to defend himself against these Judaizers. He said, afterwards, I came into the regions of Syria and Sicilia. Syria is north and to the east of Israel. Sicilia is on the other side of Tarsus, Tarsus where, where Paul is from on the other side of the bay, right there. So he has started traveling now. After he leaves Peter, he starts traveling his missionary journey. He starts going around and preaching to Gentiles. And he's making a, a, that's a long trip. And he says, but, and then was unknown by faith unto the true churches of Judea, which were in Christ. So those churches in Judea now, he's not going into Arabia, he's not going into a, a Galatia, He's going, he's telling them that I went into Judea and all those churches that were in Christ, all those Christian churches, they knew of me, but they didn't know who I was by faith. They didn't know who, what I looked like, but they had heard of me. And he says on in verse 23, he says, they heard only that he persecuted in times past. 
that you would be like, it's hard to take an example of this, um, the worst person you could think of, a criminal, uh, a man who, like Paul, had gone around and murdered people, um, had tortured them, had put them in prison, okay, taken them and literally in today's society, if he was to be out of prison, which a lot of them still are, but anyway, he would be, he had gotten saved and then started preaching. What would be our thought? What would we be thinking to hear about this guy who, who we know his past, we know he, he's done all this criminal stuff, this bad stuff, but now we hear he's preaching the gospel. I think of, of Franklin Graham. I don't know if any of you know his, his life story. When he was a young man, his father, uh, Billy Graham, when he was a young man, he was rebellious. He, not, he didn't want anything to do with his father's ministry. He would get on his Harley-Davidson, which he still drives, I think. He'd get on his Harley-Davidson, and he would take off for weeks. And he would just go and go and do whatever he wanted to. If he needed money, he would work, make money, get money, whatever. So he, he, he wasn't a bad guy. He didn't go out and do terrible stuff, but he didn't want anything to do with his father or the ministry. Until he came home one time to visit, and God got a hold of him. Okay? And he started preaching. He started going through uh, uh, schooling with his father, and he father trained him, and schooling trained him, and he finally became the head of Graham Industry or Graham um, Ministries. He's now out preaching just like his daddy did. But it's like taking a man like him, like Paul, who who is just this terrible person, just just terrible, and then he walks through our front door and he starts preaching. What would our thoughts be? What is this guy? You know, who is he? But that's what they said. He said, but they heard of me in my past that I was a persecutor of the church in the times past, but now they're hearing he's preaching faith in Christ. He said, that's all they knew of me. He said, and they once, that I was the one who once destroyed the church. Now here I am coming into their church to preach to them. And Paul says, that's what God accounted for me to do. He said, to come into the church. In verse 24, he says, and they glorified God in me. When I read this, I kind of thought, wait a minute. They glorified God in him. What he's saying here is, they glorified God because of my testimony. That's basically what he's saying. He said, they didn't glorify God in me. They didn't glorify me because of who I was and what I was doing. But they glorified God. I got a statement here. Let me write this down. Yeah. They glorified God in me, he says. He said, basically, they rejoiced and praised God for Paul's conversion. Because he now no longer is going around and killing Christians and destroying them, he's now preaching the gospel to them. He's now a saved, born-again Christian. Okay? 
They knew his reputation. They knew what he had done before. And now when they, he comes into their church in Judea and he preaches to them, they glorify God. Scripture says that for every person that is born again, that is saved, the angels rejoice. Right? That's what they were doing. By hearing Paul preach and understanding what he did and who he was, and now he's preaching Christ, they glorified God for him. Not in him, but for him. We've got to understand our reading of the, of the King James Bible, you know, our, the, the translations. We read words that sometimes doesn't make sense to us. Well, if we go back and we get a dictionary and we look at that, or concordance, we look at it, we understand what he's talking about. Concordance are good. Commentaries are good. But they said they glorified God in me. Paul says that they rejoiced to hear that I no longer persecuted them, but I now saved them and cared about their souls. And that's what he was doing. You see, <clears throat> like Paul, we may not have been going around and killing Christians and, and torturing them and putting them in jail, but as unsaved, unregenerated, unborn, unreborn, okay, we are doing the same thing because we are rebelling against Christ. Uh, when Jesus stopped Paul on the road to Damascus, he said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Wait a minute. Uh, I'm not persecuting you, Jesus. I'm, I'm persecuting these people. You understand? When we're persecuted, whoever persecutes us is persecuting Jesus. When they go against us, they're going against Jesus. If we are born, if we're saved again, if we, by the grace of God, through faith, through Christ, believing his death, burial, and resurrection, we are born again. We are now a renewed Paul. We no longer are assaulting Christ by refusing him or, or rejecting him or doing the things that is against God. Okay? So Paul goes on, he, he's basically in his his testimony here, he's given this idea that, you know, that we have to look at, if someone comes to us and says, I used to be this guy and that guy, uh, but now I'm not. There was, a, there was a guy, I can't remember his name, we were CMA years ago. Um, he was a hell's angel at one time when he was younger. And Hell's Angels did all kinds of stuff. They still do drugs and prostitution and all this other stuff. He was with them, and he finally got out, which is very rare to do because usually you don't get out of the Hell's Angels. Okay? But he was able to get out of it. But he didn't get saved or anything yet, but he got out of it, and he was living with a woman somewhere, and he had a wife and kids somewhere else, and... One day he had stopped in a hotel, going somewhere, and he stopped in a hotel, and he got out the Gideon Bible. Why a biker would get out the Gideon Bible, I have no idea. But he did. He said he did. Something just, he, he did just didn't feel right. And, and you think about it, basically it was the Holy Spirit was dealing with him. But he said he got out the Gideon Bible, and he got thinking about his life and what he was doing and all this. He even laid out his 45 automatic on the bed and was ready to shoot himself. 
have it done with, you know. He was feeling that bad, but he didn't. He got to reading the Bible, and he got to reading a scripture, and Romans, I believe it was, and he said something come over him. He put his gun away, he called his wife, and he went home. A couple of years later, well, when we, we first met him, he was, he was preaching the gospel. He was one of these men, like Paul, had gone around and, and cussed God and, and hated people who were Christians and, and just drank and carried on and did all these things. But now he was preaching the gospel. And that's what Paul was doing. And we're, we are like that. When we are unsaved, before we got saved, we were like that. We weren't doing all those bad things like that. But if we were doing opposite of what God says to do, we were doing the same thing. I can remember when I was young, you know, I'd, I had a, a friend. I went to church with him. Uh, his dad drove the bus. And every week he would ask me, don't you want to get saved? Don't you want to get saved? Nah, nah, next week, next week. I would say, nah, nah, next week, next week, you know. And we, we were friends, but I would go and do things that he wouldn't do. And it, you know, it just... You know, I went to church to get what I could get out of it. And that was the only thing I went for. But I was, I was a rebellious child. I was a rebellious teenager. <laughs> I was a rebellious adult. But I don't, I don't hark on that. And Paul doesn't either. He says, you've heard of my past. He says, I don't need to, to go any further. You've heard of it. He said, but now I, I, I confer to you, I certify to you that before God... I declare, I no longer do that. I'm now a preacher of the gospel. But we've been like that. Matthew 5.11 says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. And that's what they were doing with Paul here. Paul will go on into chapter 2 and he will continue to uh, uh, defend himself he spends a lot of time, but we think he spends a lot of time with chapter 1 and 2 defending himself, but he spends 3, 4, 5, and 6, four more chapters, defending the gospel, defending Christ. Okay? So we see Paul is, you know, one thing I wanted to say, and I, and I hope you don't take this wrong, but when we, we talk to somebody, we like to give our testimony, and, and that's a good thing. You know, we're, we're witnessing to somebody giving our testimony to them, that's a good thing. But our testimony is not the gospel. Okay? That is not going to convert somebody to Christ. Okay? Paul's testimony goes way back. He is a rebellious. He is a murderer. He's a, he's a, a Pharisee to the heights. But God changed him. Okay? And that, that's the point here is that no matter what our background is, God can change. God will change our hearts. We'll go into, when we get into chapter 2, he will talk about the gospel to the uncircumcision, to the, to the uh, Gentiles. He will talk about other things, but he will still defend himself against those charges. He even goes against Peter. Peter erred in one of his doctrines. And Paul, now Peter had been saved since Christ came along. Probably, what, 15 years, 16 years. 
okay? Before Paul came along, okay? You know, Peter should have known more, right? But Peter had an error. Peter erred in his doctrine. And Paul, who was trained for three days by Christ, has to correct him face to face. That you can read that in, in Corinthians. But anyway, that's Paul. That's part of his, his testimony to begin with and where he, he is trying to convince them that, that uh, they need to listen to him. Okay? Any questions? Any thoughts? Any corrections? <laughs> okay. If that's all, I thank you all for listening, and I hope uh, you got something out of it. Um, next week, we'll, we'll get into a little more of Paul's uh, challenges, but he gets in deeper into his conversion. He gets to talk about some of the apostles that he meets and some of the apostles he has to deal with. We are not all going to agree on the same thing. But as long as our essentials, things that, that Christ has taught us, that we read in his scriptures, we all agree, we can get along. Okay? Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for this night. I thank you for this time that you've given us. Lord, I pray that uh, what was said and done here tonight glorifies you, that uh, I was correct in all that I taught. But Father, it, it is through you and only through you that uh, this is brought. I praise you and I glorify you and honor you in all that I do. I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.